Hey! Hey! <laughs> hey! Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, a podcast where we get on the microphone and we say things. And for some reason, you keep tuning in after 100 episodes of this nonsense. You know, I actually just looked it up. It's technically 99 episodes. 99 complete episodes plus 17 troll talks on our Patreon page. And that's just a lot. Weekly, every week, four times a month for the better part of two years now, Nate. What do you think yeah, about and as, that? At, well, as John Schneck said on like a couple episodes ago, or was it last episode, that... Um, you know, the average podcast, according to South by Southwest attendees and people that throw that thing, is only like, what, three or four episodes? So We're a little bit above average. Uh, the, doing, the, the question I good. have is, why Why do we keep doing this? <laughs> yeah. Is it just like, is it a pathology? Is it an, an addiction? Is it is it a, a, I don't know. I think for me, it's part. it's partly loyalty. Like, I have to do what I said I was going to do, but then, but then why? Why, Nate? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, why do we do anything? I mean, it's a very ecclesiastical kind of It's all just thinking. chasing after wind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that way naturally. That's like um, probably one of my biggest demons as a... I'll start working on a project and then I'll literally go, what? It doesn't matter. Do you think like pretty nihilistically, like in a million years, nothing matters? So yeah, why am I yeah, doing this? Yeah, you think it, I'll start to... Well, I'll start to think that, I mean, it's very like, you know, when we were doing the Enneagram episodes and I was kind of reading more about my, I was like, oh man, that's the problem. Like, hmm. you know, and so the nice thing about a podcast is it's sort of just this, to me, it's kind of therapy, self-help, like, you no, know, there is good in the world and there is, it's good to finish projects and it's, even if nobody listens, it's good for you to create something, put it out in the world, and you never know who you're helping. You know, we've gotten emails from people, and... Yeah. Um, you know, I, and the same thing goes for, you know, our music. You know, you kind of just start... You, like, I was working on a song this morning, and I just got to a place where, like, the hell? I don't even know if this is good or bad or what, and... Um, That's where I live. Just, <laughs> yeah. Especially you live right there now. daily. Especially I know, I see your right tweets now. about it. And, and I'm like, I'm like, gosh. Well, I it's just, that. it's... I don't know if it's just, like... Uh, it's. I just take on these things that just really don't provide any any concrete evidence of it working. The only thing that's working is that like I can look back at the last you know seven years, eight years of my life that I've been independent um, as a musician, and I, and I can say I lived like somehow bills got paid. It's not like I, I have the best life or whatever, but. It, I can look back and go, it, it it worked, it happened, and I guess I I look at the podcast the same way. It's like, why are we doing it? It doesn't really pay the bills, you know. We haven't really gone for broke with with ads or trying to, you know, get huge big name guests and you know hustle 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 on the admin side. We just kind of turn mics on and talk, and yeah, you know, it's more casual, but it's not like. I think you and I both realized kind of early on we didn't want to be professional podcasters. Getting... We didn't really want to be professional anything. I think that's the, <laughs> uh, that's sort of the, you know, like I was, you know, I had a friend the other day that tweeted or texted me. He was just like, you know, talking about like Sherwood and like, why don't you give it another go? And I was like, you know, like, I think on the outside people think, oh, there's this dream to like be in a band and play music and stuff. And then like, you know, 
trying to explain to someone after the fact, like I didn't give up on Sherwood. It's just it's a ninety nine point nine nine percent failure rate playing music. Yeah. Um, you do it. You give it a shot. You throw a ten years of your life at it. Yeah, I love. And it. then I love when people are like, you know what you need? You just need that one hit. They like yeah. try to tell you, you guys got to get on tour with you too. That would really help your band. Okay, cool. Well, it's, we'll do that. Thanks. Well, it's funny. Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> I mean, people mean totally... well, but it's like they have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I just went to see some baseball games, and I was talking to my wife about this, and I was like, you know, I've and in, in like this past life, I felt like I played baseball. I don't know. It's kind of a weird feeling I had, but I just like I loved the game as a kid. It was just it connected with me. But you know, you think about we got to go down on the field and like hang out because a friend of mine got us in and. And I was just looking at these guys, like, you know, just playing this kid's game. Um, and they get paid millions of dollars to play this kid's game. And, but the the sheer, like, the story of each of these guys to get there, I bet you, is just insane. Well, and the story uh, of what happens when they can't play anymore. Yeah. It's just yeah. a whole other transition that people don't really think about. Like, how, what percentage of professional baseball players stay in the public eye and, and become announcers or color commentators, like what percentage, you know, of baseball yeah. players continue in baseball? One well, percent? <laughs> well, that was the thing, you know, I kind of had this weird feeling in my gut, like, did I, did I really pursue the things in my life that I, that I wanted to? Did I go balls out for it? And she was like looking at me like I was crazy. Um, you know, like having this existential crisis or yeah. midlife crisis or whatever, and I'm like, I'm like the 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 hard part about all of this, about doing a podcast, doing music, playing sports or whatever, is that you're always going to look at the top of the top, and you're always going to be able to say there's somebody better than you, there's some there's something bigger than you, something greater than you. So why should I do? Why should I even play AAA ball? Why should I put out Sherwood records that, you know, 10,000 people care about? Why should I put out this podcast that a couple thousand people care about? You know, you can always gauge yourself in the success of everything else. Yeah, well, and go, the, yeah. Eh. I mean, everybody struggles with that. I struggle with that, too. But I would say your your deadly sin is envy. It's sort of looking at looking in your neighbor's bowl and going, they have more than me. <laughs> it's not even that. It's more like looking in my neighbor's bowl and going... He's doing something worthwhile. Right. I'm not. You, I'm yeah. not. You envy his lifestyle or, or work or whatever. Well, I just feel like he has a platform. I don't. He has something to say. I don't. Yeah, and that's he, so silly considering how many people have podcasts right now that, that have 12 listeners. Yeah, you know? you're and, right. You're and, right. And how many people even have Patreons that don't have any patrons? Now, I, well, was looking, is, I was looking through a bunch of Patreon accounts going, yeah. oh my gosh, this is so sad. <laughs> so many people like we just we just put a podcast out and people are like yeah i like those guys and they just support us That's yeah crazy. that is that is funny there's um you know i was looking at like matt carter from from the bad christian podcast and they have a huge podcast matt carter's band emory was bigger than both our bands and his his uh his break it down podcast is a great podcast and he doesn't have as many patrons as we do what is that that doesn't make any sense. Why, why don't we ever? Why don't we ever reverse the envy and go? My friend over here is doing something really cool, and there's not enough in his bowl. There's all this in my bowl, and I have, I have way more than him, and that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. 
<laughs> well, that's 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 the road to happiness right there, right? Sure. The road to happiness is looking is to give up your coat to somebody else when you've got a couple of coats, or you know you got a bunch of nuts in your bowl and you're like, here you go, you, you look like you're hungry, have some of mine. I think, unfortunately, we live in such a consumer culture where you're always looking in your own bowl, and you're always like, dang it, there's not enough in my bowl. And as I get older, I realize that. I've had so many people come up to me and say, man, it's such an honor to play with your band. I love you guys. I've loved you guys since junior high, and now we get to play with you. I can't believe it. And I go, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Our, band's not, our band's not that big of a deal, bro. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, just don't give him his moment to say what he wants to say. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost like you're trying to be humble in a way. You're trying to be realistic in a way. But then you're totally just demeaning this person's per- perspective and right. saying, oh, you know, it, dude, my band doesn't matter, bro. Like, you know, it's funny. Is everything. Yeah. It's funny because, and we could talk about this for a second. Uh, my buddy texted me yesterday and Colin was just on the, our podcast talking about, and the writer is podcast. And my buddy calls me and he goes, dude, uh, apparently one Republic opened up for Sherwood. And I go, what? He's like, yeah. Ryan Tedder, the singer of One Republic, was just on this podcast, and he talks about how he opened up for some big band in Northern California called Sherwood. <laughs> and I that's where he learned. Like, that's where he learned all the hits, right? How to write them. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, that's funny. Here he is. This is. What is this? A decade later, right? Uh, over over a decade later, and he still remembers One Republic opening for. Sherwood, a yeah. big band from Northern California. And I'm just laughing to myself. Like I, I I text my buddy back. I'm like, no way, come on. And but 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 that's this whole thing, right? Like that's what we're talking about is is what constitutes a success. I mean, I'm sure he looks at his band and he's like, Yeah, you know, we sell millions of records and we go all over the world, but, sure. but at uh, the end of the day, I'm just a dude. But is it waning too? Like, cause like there's there's your peers. You always look over at your peers and you go, you know Taylor Swift she sells way more records than me and yeah I don't want to be a slave to the single or I want to make albums I want to make concept records I can't do that you know oh yeah you know or or like or even just his followers like he doesn't he only has like 50,000 followers and Taylor Swift's got like a hundred million it's like she is the brand whereas his you know she's become a thing where yeah. she could walk away from music and do whatever she wants to do. Well, that, and that would, brings me back to the question. You know, why Why do you do what you do? Why do we do what we do? And like, I feel honestly, like I was, I was reading this book the other day and it was talking about life lies. This guy who worked with Freud back in the day talked about these life lies. And he was talking about how people, they make a decision in their life. Maybe when they're young, you know, I want to retire when I'm 52 and then they work for the next three decades on this kind of bogus decision they made when they were 18. And mm. when you ask them why they're doing what they're doing, they said, well, I always wanted to do this. But you don't necessarily follow your 18-year-old self into the abyss. You know, you change your goals, you, you change your aspirations as you, as you get smarter because your goals become more higher resolution. You can't just live your whole life with this low resolution goal of, you know, when I was 18, it was like, or 19, it was like, I want to be famous and be in a band and be huge. That's pretty yeah. low resolution goal. And the more I went after that, the more I realized that wasn't really what I wanted. I really just wanted to make music and I didn't want to do that whole thing. I didn't want to, you know, sell my soul um, and tour the world and be famous and be seen as some, something other than real. 
So I, I adjusted my goal. But part of me thinks that really the only reason I'm still in this is because I have this loyalty complex where I'm just doing what I said huh. I was going to do despite everybody saying I couldn't do it. And I'm like, that's yeah. not a good motivation either. You know, like, do I really like podcasting? Do I really like having something to say about everything? I don't know everything. I don't know much of anything. I'm still learning. And is it valuable for me to learn out loud like this? Like, shouldn't I shut up once in a while? Should I have something to say every week and then put it out on the internet? Like, I'm yeah. some fucking thought leader. I don't know. <laughs> I, it, I don't think I am. I just think I'm a dude. And I, why am I doing it? Because someone said to do it. And then I said, oh, Nate, we're doing it. And you're like, okay, we're doing it. And now two years later, we're still doing it. Why am I doing it? it just because I said I was going to do it? Is that really enough? You know, like, just being real, just being real. No, I, uh, uh, man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was talking to you, we were texting about this. Like, I kind of want to do, you know, my next project that I want to kind of tell is, is this, like, you know, we were kind of texting about how it would be great to do a documentary about kind of the rise and fall of MySpace and sort of the rise and fall of Sherwood in it. And this is what I want to try to explain, like, what you're talking about why do it or what did it mean or does it have value or what is success this is like the human question right this is this is uh, every artist is is mulling around this and most artists you know like are fully appreciated long after they're gone and it's such a weird uh, it's such a weird arena to explore it's like what i don't know what like what are your motivations right like i'm always questioning my motivations like why am I doing it? And I and I come up with these reasons and I don't know if they're lies or not. But like the reasons to make music is is because in my mind I think it actually is my therapy. It's the thing that sure, you know, confronts the trauma of my life and and harnesses it in a way that's productive and creative. Yeah. And I li- I like making music. Now, why do I release it? I don't know. I, that's a less less of a motivation. Maybe I like maybe I like other people liking my therapy and that may, that validates me. I don't know. Like when I start breaking it down, like what are my motivations for this podcast? Well, I used to have a blog and, and, and writing my thoughts out was really helpful. And, and then Nate and I, you know, we had conversations. This is the story that I told myself. We had these conversations that were so interesting and everyone's doing podcasts. And so why don't we put out our conversations about topics and, and from our perspective, which seems to be a little bit different than what we usually hear. And yeah, that was yeah. my, that was my, narrative inspiration but what really is the impulse now now that i've done it for two years i honestly think it's still therapy Hmm. i mean there's times when i'm like uh, i mean i think for me is i'll wake up and i always do this i always kind of like read the news and i just kind of go on twitter and just see what's happening in the world and then i'll just see stuff kind of going on and then i have this inner monologue of like what or or i want to learn more about that or i want to read that article or i don't agree with this and you've got this fuel, and if you don't have an outlet to kind of like dump all that onto something, hmm. you can get really inside your head. And I kind of see a lot of this happening on Twitter is like, like our friend um, Aaron Lunsford just is in a battle right now with, with himself. <laughs> yeah, with himself for sure. I mean, like we all are. Uh, but he's, you know, this girl's calling out Rob Bell for not being d- diverse enough on his podcast. Right. And part of me just wants to tweet back at her, like, 
okay, invite people on your podcast. Yeah. Like start a podcast. Stop imposing all... your, yeah, your ideological values about equity of representation on other people because you think yeah. they need to. And, and, it's, and it's always the, the white ones, too, that are doing that, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, I get it, right? That's probably good. We probably need more. But so, you know, you get these thoughts going on in your head. And, you know, you just think that, like, there's people out there that are just ready to shoot arrows at everything. And because they're frustrated because they don't have a podcast. They don't have a successful blog. They don't have a successful band. They don't have no outlet to get Everyone's out. Everyone's got this. their podium, though. They've got their Twitter profile or their yeah, Facebook yeah. profile. Or, That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's as big as they get. And uh, I think you, you <laughs> and I have a few more outlets, right? We're like, okay, we've done a few things and there's a few more people listening. <laughs> yeah. But it's still but it's still the same thing. Like we want to get on Twitter and and just let it out, yeah. but uh, we just have uh, we we can make a podcast because we've done just enough to have a podcast. Whereas Yeah, yeah but it's not people, like they can. It's not like a successful podcast, you know? Like I mean, but, from what? our perspective, but also from the perspective according of to like, what? The, is according to your, what? Well, is it is it paying your bills? Is it helping? That doesn't your... have anything to do with success. I mean, how many podcasts out there that people listen to actually pay the bills? You know what I'm saying? Like how many? Like Sherwood never paid the bills. Classic Crime never paid the bills. But mm-hmm. you know, you sell you could sell paid hundreds of tickets. Paid more bills than the podcast. <laughs> but, but my point is, is like podcast is like a free medium of just yeah. You can go to your local bar with your buddy and spend five dollars on a beer. And yeah, but this the is same a, thing. this is what I worry about the sort of the mandate set up by us, obviously, to have a week to have a weekly thing. Like sometimes I want to be a recluse. Number one, I don't think that I've actually represented myself as myself as often as as I would have liked to on this podcast. On this podcast, yeah. okay, interesting. Why? And because there's something presenty about it. And that kind of gives me a, it gives me a little bit of a different approach. I think it makes me a little nervous that I think yeah. that a lot of people are listening, and and I feel like I have to kind of like rein things in and be presenting, be, be like in front expert. of the mic, be on the microphone, or not even an expert, but just be interesting in a way that's not just normal old me. But um, yeah. But then also I mean, the also the mandate of having to do it every week. It's like sometimes I want to not do it and then what happens to the podcast it's like we're we're just paddling every week we're, we're we're dipping the paddle in to try to you know stay on course but if you don't dip the paddle in and the paddle takes five hours then do you just go downstream and everyone forgets about you and is that a good motivation to keep doing it because i'd rather just do a podcast when we when we're really inspired to do a podcast and not have to come up with yeah you know yeah. content all the time and have a well, show like would i ever want to be like a daily show type monday through thursday every night you have to come up with incredible content and it's like 24 hours and you sleep at your desk i no, think if that's not what i, I want to do well but I that's think what that some people want to do i never you, wanted to do that you have to have i think for one there's a lot there to unpack but um yeah, I think that you, you know, when we started this podcast, I noticed there was a difference between us talking on the phone and then talking on the podcast. I think that the pressure's off, right? So we all know this when the red light is on, there's a different kind of pressure. Yeah. And I think and I think for me, I'm just trying to make it entertaining. So I kind of feel more the the rabble rouser, talk about whatever. And and, and I I probably have uh, this to a fault where if I think it's interesting, then it's interesting. So I'll go, <laughs> I'll go down those roads, right? You're a narcissist. 
<laughs> in, a, in a way, in a way though, like I, I think like so. I'm only yeah. thinking about the the crowd. You're the audience, like the audience. You're I'm like going, they're not interested in this. They, they, we got to yeah. say something interesting at this point. Yeah, and that's funny because right before we started this podcast, I was saying that about all the things that I've been a part of, like music and that I don't think it's any good. So I think you just have to cut free from all that and just say, look, it is what it is. If it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Yeah, but it's what do you not- think about... I mean, we're on episode 99, this is going to be. We're going to be at 100 episodes. Yeah. I mean, probably 200 hours. I mean, if you count this, the Troll Talks on Patreon, like 200 hours of recorded stuff. You know, maybe, one, maybe, maybe you'll die early, and one day this will be the only thing that your kids can like know about you. Like how you think and feel, and they'll yeah. go and they'll listen to all these old troll talks when they're oh, I hope 20, not. I mean, twenty five years later, this isn't the real like, me, kids. <laughs> well, but it's a piece of you. It's a piece it's of a you. Piece you, know, of, you. Yeah, some persona. What I'm saying I though created. is there's this there's this digital record of like maybe that's all that they ever have of dad, and yeah. uh, you never know. I mean, I'm sure there's people who recorded stuff back in the day. And then people have used it on documentaries, you know, 50 sure. years later. And they were just like, what were they What were they oh saying in the moment? They could take, I mean, in, in, in 10, 20 years, they could they could string together anything for any documentary based on the words that we've said on this podcast. And well, make us look like terrible, terrible people or really good. Yeah, I know. Story edits. crafting. Yeah. But but what I'm saying, though, is that, like, I think the pressure when the, when the, when the light is red and we're recording is different for you and me. Yeah, I I, I kind of want to keep it going and and see where the rabbit trail takes us, right? And then wherever that rabbit trail goes, I would say sometimes you want to take it back to the same trail that's been treaded about fifty times, and I'm trying to sure. move it somewhere. The else. conversation, the <laughs> the conversation is never over right. for me. Like that's something that I know that you know when I read that on the the Enneagram stuff, it's like you can't hang up with a four because they just <laughs> they they never arrive. It's always in this just. What me. is all this? That's me at the end of the at the end of the podcast. Going, all right, well, we're done. And you're like, well, I just have one more question. I feel like I have to. <laughs> I feel like I have to wrap it up. I feel like I have to say something definitive. I feel like I need like a full roadblock. Of you like, need the last okay, word. Yeah, we 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 did something here. We got somewhere, right? Are we done? But it's not ever but, going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to be done. No. Well, speaking of the recording light on, I got a I got a message, and I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, no, you, you're not allowed. No, you know, I'm no. not never allowed we, to switch gears. We yet. have to you'll, stay you'll in us, this. You'll bring us back to Ryan Tedder eventually. <laughs> uh, so I got a message. I don't know if it was on Facebook or or Twitter, but someone responded to me and said, "Hey, hey have you ever thought about doing an episode on singing?" Because he thought it would be interesting to hear from two singers what singing is like and how did you learn to sing and when did you know that you could sing and, and all the things about singing and Nate, <laughs> I, text, I texted Nate and he's like I don't know <laughs> why haven't we done in a hundred episodes a thing about singing probably because you and I both don't feel like expert singers I would imagine yeah and but let's just entertain that because I know a lot of people are listening who like to sing and maybe even like our no, bands a lot of people aren't listening you got that okay. wrong. <laughs> Twelve people are listening, four of which might consider uh, the but singing in your mind, topic. But fun. in your mind, a lot of people are listening, so you've got to you got to well, keep your keep you yourself know, on that trail. I'm I mean, just giving you. I'm shit going. Now. I'm just basing this off a comment I actually got. No, so I know at least one person cares about us okay. talking about singing. So singing, give me, I'm, let singing. me interview you, Nate. When did you uh, first realize that you could sing? 
probably, you know, I mean, in elementary school, there was always plays and stuff, and then you were always singing. And then I remember I took a singing class in junior high, actually, which was pretty unlike me. But I would sing. I just didn't sing very loud. And it's funny because, like, years later, I went back to the my, my high school basketball coach was gradu- uh, was retiring, like, years later. I was, like, 30 years old at this point. And then I was friends with his daughter, and she texted me. She's like, hey, my dad's retiring tonight. I heard you're in town. You want to come just come to the school and be there? And I was like, sure, I'll come. And so when I was there, my old music high school music teacher came up to me, and she's like, so I heard you were, like, in a band, and you're, singer, and you're a singer. And I was like... Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, at this point, Sherwood's career was kind of like, you know, pretty much wrapped up. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, we did it for a decade or so. And she's like, I had no idea. And I was like, you know, you know, when you're a sports kid and you grow up and you want to sing and you, and you feel like you can sing and there's something about music that connects with you, you don't put it out there. You need a teacher to kind of like go, hey, hey, sounds like you can sing. Yeah. And let's 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 hear it. And you know, and she always kind of emphasized a couple other dudes in the class. Oh. And I kind and I didn't have the confidence. So she maybe that helped me. She didn't see your talent. Yeah. Well, that's probably similar for me. I but mean, I don't even know, you know. But who but I don't know who if affirmed I put it out you? There. Like who was your earliest person that said, "You know, you can carry a melody?" I don't think anybody. Nobody? Uh, like no, who dis- who discovered your voice? Uh, I just wanted to be in a band i think uh that was it i just started a couple local bands and there was really you know nobody that nobody's gonna be a singer for a band that you start if you're like the most passionate about it you got to be the singer because nobody wants to be the singer yeah well (laughs) i mean they do guitar or drums yeah everyone wants to be you know the guy but nobody wants to do the work yeah to be the guy i think and so for me it was like well if this is going to happen in my life, I got to be the guy to do this because that's the hardest part, right? That's the... So you just started singing on the mic, you know, well, when you were 16. I mean, terribly. I mean, I think I was just in the car singing along to, like, my favorite bands. Um, yeah. And I could close the windows and, 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 and turn it up and just sing my heart out. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, you can sing in the car like you can't anywhere else. And I would say that... Huh. That was the only place I felt like I could just fully just be myself without any... That's crazy. Fear. That's exactly. I mean, people ask me if I've taken vocal lessons or whatever. I took like three or four when I was twelve. My mom signed me up for this uh, thing, and I did. Yeah. I did the um, all for one version of "I Swear," uh, <laughs> four part harmonies recorded to tape. I still have it somewhere. It's pretty bad, but I had a prepubescent voice or whatever. That was the only time I, I learned to. Uh, it's the only thing I learned about singing was being just recording that in like three or four sessions but then um and i i was in band in high school and it's the same thing like you know my my i was first chair trumpet or whatever and i could you know read the treble clef pretty well and then my um the conductor gave me like a b one semester and i was like this is an elective you can't give me a b in an elective and so i just quit because he didn't like me because i didn't study I just did it by ear. So like if people were doing scales and basically the third and fourth chairs had to go first. And so I would just listen to them and then repeat it. And he didn't like that. Like I could do it, but I wouldn't do it from memory. Well, yeah. I mean, most of those teachers, they don't, it's like they're, I think a lot of people are trained to sort of, this is how you do these things. Right. And then, well, you got to learn. I mean, I get it. You got to learn the fundamentals, but like a lot of times teachers aren't noticing maybe because they don't have the, exceptional 
talent that they can't really recognize that someone's actually doing things by ear or doing things a little differently. Um, they're not looking for the diamonds in the rough. They're, they're, they're more looking for people who are going to mimic their lessons properly. So yeah, I wasn't like, I, I was just, I was same with you. I was in bands in high school and I just remember belting it out in the car. That's all I remember. Just trying yeah, to make my voice yeah. and using my ear because I have an ear. I can hear what I like and I just follow that. It has nothing to do with technique. It's just like, oh, that guy sings like this. And if I sing really loud and high, I can kind of make my voice sound like his. And then that was like when I was nineteen, twenty. It was like really about higher stuff and and even yeah. yelling and screaming and trying to figure out how to make your voice do that without hurting it. Um, but yeah, I, there was nothing like people always ask me, "What do you you know? What do you do?" And I'm like, "Nah, just make it. Just follow your ear." <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. There is your no voice real... is your voice, and there is no yeah. There's no um, formula. You know, it has a way that it works and you have to use your ear to figure out that way. I think most of most people who are find success are quirky. You know, I think they have a weird way of doing things. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think it was just, you wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a singer and it was like, nobody was going to stop us at that point. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. It's just that the desire is there. And I found that as an adult, like, you know, there's things I could do or can't do, but based on my desire, that's where it, things differ. Like, uh, yeah. if I'm not into something now, I know it's not going to happen. Um, and that's frustrating for myself because it's like there's a lot of things in your life that you just can't be as passionate about as as you want to be, but they still need to get done. And perhaps, you know, I don't know, this, this podcast a little bit, but I don't want to go back there. I'm trying to stay on topic here. But um, singing... Uh, I think a lot of people that I've talked to in other bands and stuff, it was just that they just wanted to do it. It was yeah. a desire. So, uh, you know, the, like, think about how many weird voices there are out there. Sure. Untraditional voices where you're like, that's not that's not a good singer. And yet they have something or do something that's unique. They're emotive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like going back to the whole red light thing. I mean, this this is this relates to the podcast. Like when the red light's on, you're different. Um. Or maybe you clam up or maybe you're like a deer in the headlights or maybe you can't function or whatever. But singing for me, it's like when I was recording or when I was writing or when I was, I was, I was, it was the thing that I was the most clutch at. It was the thing that like you could do, I could do it and I had no idea how I did it. I was like, I would enter the other side of my brain where there's no language, there's no language or definitions and I would fall into emotion, but it was like, I could trigger it. It was like clutch. I could do it, you know? Whereas other, uh, you know, if somebody was like, hey, basketball, for instance, like, hey, shoot this three-pointer, I I would, like, miss the rim. (laughs) And those things, like, I I practiced a lot of basketball in my life, and I am terrible at it. But singing was one of those things where it's like, here's a microphone. Can you do this? And I absolutely could. So I I was just like, okay. I I remember when we were recording our third record, Q, um... I was actually swimming laps in this pool. Every day I'd wake up, there was this pool in the backyard of the studio, and I would just wake up and swim laps. But I wasn't realizing that as I was swimming laps, I was having some like indigestion because I was mm-hmm. like working because I was working out, and all that acid was like going up and down in my throat and tiring out my vocal cords. So I would go in and try to sing, and the and the guy would be like producer would be like i don't know man it sounds like your voice is tired and i'm like i didn't do anything today so i don't know why it's tired he's like it just sounds off and hmm. so 
he sent me to this vocal coach who was like, I literally drove to Beverly Hills up in the top of this, like, course, like, the guy with the mower is going to come mow right now and really, <laughs> and really be, like, crazy is it, loud. Is it your your lawn that he's mowing? No, it's a neighbor's lawn. Uh, I'm just okay. parked in the RV next to the neighbor. Uh, maybe it'll be okay. But um, see, guys, we're not professional. But he's, <laughs> but I remember he sent me to this guy's house, and it was his name was like Ron or something. And I've okay. seen him on I've seen him on several music documentaries. He's like the dude. Yeah. And I remember looking at like he was like it's going to be like a thousand dollars an hour or something like that to like ha- to get like a a vocal coach lesson from this guy. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, are you really going to spend that money? And he's like, well, you know, I, I think I think. Every time I send an artist to this guy, they come back like, a, like like with just something else. And I was like, okay. So I drove all the way into the hills of Hollywood, and I go to this guy's mansion, and I walk in, and he's got this just vaulted ceiling with just platinum albums everywhere from everybody, everyone from Foo Fighters to 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 you name it. And hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like. And then I'm like, I do not feel worthy right now. And I sit down at this piano, and we start doing scales. And the first thing he says is, all right, here's some rules I tell all my singers. One, you do not eat after 5 o'clock. Hmm. Like, you do not eat after 5 o'clock. Because when you go to sleep at night, if you eat after 5 o'clock, all that stomach acid is going to go right up to yep. your esophagus, and it's yep. just going to destroy your voice. Yeah, I take the acid reducer pills, but but you usually I don't try to eat late at night for sure. Yeah, but uh, so he he did that, and then he said, you know, singing, and he gave me this whole lesson. Is it, the problem with most singers? They blow their voice out because they're forcing the air out of their their vocal cords, mm-hmm. and you need to create space. It's the exact opposite approach. So he just he just talked to me, and he talked about singing in a way that I never have heard before. Hmm. But um, for for a minute there, he was like, anybody can do this. You just have to, you know, you have to really. A, believe, and you have to know how to do it. So he's like, it's all about creating more space, you know, keeping your neck straight. You should be able to sing incredibly loud without doing yeah. any straining at all. And so he showed me that he could do that. He was just sitting there. He was straight up, and he just, he was like, I had to plug my ears. He was singing so loud. He's like, see, I didn't strain at all. He said, that's the problem with most singers is no one ever taught him how to do it right. Oh, geez. Maybe I need str- to go to this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, if you have the money, I remember thinking like, I I'm not paying. For, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, as a, as a production uh, budget, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but but I remember walking out of there going like, "Whoa!" Like, I feel like I have some tools now. So even to this day, every time you know, sure we did a tour. I, I I kind of remember like, "Oh yeah," like I'm singing poorly. Um, it's about creating space in your. Yeah, I used to do the warm-ups with uh, Melissa Cross or whatever, the Zen of Screaming. Yeah, I don't know who gave me that. But, um, yeah, someone gave me the MP3s, and so I've played through them. And you you do, you know, Zs and Es and E-I-E-I-E and stuff like that, and you do scales. But I always felt like that kind of screwed me. Like, I don't know. I'm better if I don't warm up now. Now, anyways. Um, Well, well, it's weird. It's like I have to start talking during the day. Then that yeah. kind of warms me up, and then I do yeah. just a little bit of warming up before I hit the stage. But um, you know, a couple tours ago, twenty sixteen, yeah. I lost my voice completely on tour because I was doing um, Albatross ten year anniversary tour, and I recorded that album in two thousand five when I was you know twenty two, and at that point I was thirty two, 
and my voice just couldn't do the whatever that was or never figured out how to do it right yeah yeah and i you couldn't were, recover you were a young chop chop young yeah. young buck and you could just go out there and, and i scream your lights i couldn't out. recover after one show so it just compounded like one show happened and i did it well but then i the, the recovery time was too short and i couldn't recover and then the next show happened and then by the third show it was gone well, that's then, that's yeah. that's a tough style of music. I was talking to him about that, about you know, how do you teach these guys to scream? And he said it just comes from a different place. Um, and I just I never really understood how to scream. So, hats yeah, off to I you mean, for doing funny, that. I yeah, don't, the funny I don't thing know is, how to screaming, especially live, is easier than hitting the high notes. Way easier. In fact, live, I would say we probably scream more of the high stuff than we do sing it. <laughs> I mean, of the old stuff, anyways, because the the music is sort of set up for it, but. You know, you have to pinch really, really tight to get a high note. It's like the aperture on on a trumpet. If you have a really shallow mouthpiece on a trumpet, you can play a lot higher. Um, so it's you have the tighter space, you hit the high note. But when your vocal cords are inflamed or swollen, or you can't get that tight yeah. aperture, and yeah. you can't hit the high note. But what you do is you just let go of everything when you're getting up to that registry and you just let go. And when you let go, then the scream happens and it's actually like soothing. It doesn't hurt. Weird. But, um, I don't even know. I still don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. It's like, I can't it's like, do it. It's, it's like relaxing. It's like you're tense, 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 and you relax and the, and the scream just comes out. But yeah, I, 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 I didn't know, I didn't learn how to do that. That's just my voice using, basically using my ear and kind of like, I guess in, in concert, when you're when you have good monitors or whatever and you can hear the room and you can you can hear everything i sing the best when my i'm almost listening to myself i'm i'm maybe like a foot and a half in front of my head above myself and i'm listening to what i'm saying and i'm just as a listener of it i'm tweaking and it's not stressful it's not painful but i i like what i hear and i'm making myself hear what i like and it's a circular thing, yeah. but it's all based on my ear. It's not based on how I feel or, or uh, technique or anything. It's just, oh, my voice is doing things that I like it to do with minimal effort right now. So now I'm going to like perfect this performance. And that's like one in every five shows. <laughs> and the rest is just like, I can't hear anything. Yell. Yeah. Yeah. I just put <laughs> earplugs in because I can only hear like the bass through my, <laughs> through my bones and my, and my jaw bones. You can hear your, you can hear your pitch and everything with your earplugs. Uh, it's the only thing I can do because Sherwood just played so freaking loud, you know, before I was like keyboards blaring and then they would kept, they kept turning up their amps, you know, yep. and then same it was with my like, band. Yeah. It was like, you know, everyone kept turning it up more and more, and I was just like, "Guys, I can't hear anything." And so then, you, you know, playing the bass, it's like I need a like a low register. So, so you uh, plugged it, and all the high end kind of dimmed out. Yeah, but yeah. I can just kind of hear if I'm. For it's the like most what part, singers do; pretty, they always they always plug one ear to, to make sure. That yeah, I mean, I never we just could do that. That always like, discombobulated me. But well, I think it, I needed to save my hearing anyway. And, yeah, smart. Uh, and I needed to. I just couldn't quite enjoy the show if it was just overwhelming just blaring at me Um, yeah and maybe uh i only wanted the noise i only wanted yeah i mean i didn't want like the guy's guitars blowing me off stage but like i wanted to hear my vocal loud and i wanted to hear the crowd and that's why even to this day when i use in-ears i just use i put one in because i need to hear everything else i like yeah my our whole thing was like we swim in the music we practiced in this tiny little room in our house and you know five of us in that room and we would like rock out when we when we started out you know like just really we 
the music was amazing to us because we were just new and it, everything I was great. I want to say Sherwood practiced in that room before a tour once. You might have, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think I remember doing that because we were going out on one of our last tours before we like called it a day. And oh no, no, no you were friends with Dan. Because we would have we would have moved from that oh, house in oh, 2006. Oh. Yeah, it was okay, the original house in Mount Lake Terrace. But yeah, I mean, like we always practice in rooms, so it was probably another one. But like we're we're just used to swimming in the music. Like we want we want everything, all the noise to be around us, and and make and animate our bodies, and so um, that's why everyone's deaf. I think, well, I think when it comes to singing, like, you know, just kind of, it seems to me it's just desire. I mean, if if, if you have the desire to do it, you kind of have to figure out a way to do it. But I think a lot of practicing by yourself helps yeah. kind of get that confidence to where you can go sit in front of somebody. I did take a vocal class in college, and so I had to sing some, like, um, I don't know, like, um, famous piece um, hmm. in front of everybody and, like, 60 people um in the class and uh this was while sherwood was kind of starting i remember years later someone said oh you know i found out that you you know i remember you from vocal class and and uh i just said something about it and then like then i realized you were in the band and i remember you were in the class so good job or whatever (laughs) but uh, doing that is harder like being in a band is way easier in a sense like with the noise and everything yeah yeah like then stepping out and singing yeah singing the national anthem at a (laughs) <laughs> you know, at a sports event or whatever. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. I mean, having uh, the—I mean, that's the thing though. It's, it's funny though. You said singing in the car is what did it because you could hear your voice and you could match other voices, and you could have your inhib- inhibitions done. Like, I feel like I sing better if I'm singing in the car. Like, there's there's things I do in the car that when I get you know somewhere else, I'm like, uh, how did my voice do that? I couldn't. I can't do it now. But uh, that's maybe yeah. where the technique is helpful. But what I tell people is, is if, if you have an ear or at least everyone has some sort of ear, unless you're tone deaf, then don't, you're not going to be a singer. That's fine. You can enjoy singing, but if you, if you can carry a tune and you have an ear and you can listen to yourself as you're making noises, then follow what sounds good. And I don't know, like, I don't know if that's just something that some people have and other people don't, but no, I can't sing like Ryan Tedder, for instance, I can't sing like certain people. Um, the dude from Maroon 5, whatever his name is. Like, I can't sing that up there. I'm not that, whatever, the soprano. But yeah. I, can si- I can sing like me, you know? I got a, li- I got a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, you can sing like you. And everyone you can, can only sing, sing like, like you, but you have, to, you have to be able to listen to how you sound and then edit that. It's almost, yeah. like, you're seeing, you're, it's almost like you're your own audience, and that's following your ear. That's what I tell people. Follow your ear. Yeah. Not and your then, voice. Don't think oh, about what your voice is doing. Just make it or, sound like what you want it to sound like. Or make it make it as creative as what it is, you know. I think that's what people people are always trying to make their thing and something it's not. And I think that the more you just embrace what it is. Right. You know. Yeah, like if you have a good vibrato, you know, use that sparingly obviously but good vibrato you know if you don't have any vibrato, there's tons of people that don't have vibrato that they have really cool voices and they don't ever there's no tremolo in there i have none <laughs> i have none like you've I never had any, a vibrato no i don't know how to do it really um, huh it's weird. see I there you just, go i can just hold it out and you know ben, ben gibbard from death cab he never really did a vibrato till like i don't know six records in i i think i finally heard it yeah but, but he he always had this smooth thing and this delivery that was 
cool and you don't need it but like whatever you can do naturally you know like those things i think are just physiological like you your voice you know your your tongue either rolls into you know a tube or it doesn't like that's a physiological thing so if you have a vibrato you can use it i have an accidental vibrato so i can't really do i can kind of do it on command (laughs) but if i'm in the moment like i'm saying i i I tap into whatever it is i'm tapped into then a vibrato happens and and um and you bring the vibe. I bring the vibe in the rato. Oh man, we're yeah. old. We're old dudes. Yeah, man. I'm just thinking right now that my kids are probably waking up, and I'm like thinking about this podcast and thinking about what you said earlier. And there's a guy mowing the lawn next door. And <laughs> just like, what are we doing? Ri- Why are we doing This is ridiculous. It? All right. Like, All right. Well, we can wrap it up. I just wanted to hit the singing thing for our no, yeah, our, yeah, our yeah. one listener who cares. No, I appreciate um, that. And if anybody that. else has, um, you know, any words of encouragement for us as we doubt why we're doing anything. You know, that's funny. Us. That's what I was going to tell you. <laughs> I was like, I feel like when you get feedback from people who are out there in the, you know, in the space, just listening, it's like it helps kind of hone it in to like, OK, people are still engaged. People aren't yeah. engaged. And um, yeah, you know, your feedback is important. Like, I mean, um, even I, if it's not yeah. something we like to hear, I mean, still. even if it's like, hey, you guys, you know, by all means, don't put out a weekly episode, just do two good ones a month or whatever. Like if you if you have any sort of feedback, because because honestly, I don't I'm at a point and I'm just being real where I don't know where this is going. So I don't know how long I want to commit to doing weekly. That's just where I'm at right now. Fair you enough. I, and I like doing it when I like doing it, but I'm a big freedom guy. Yeah. And so, and then, and I then, when, then when people are supporting us, it's like, oh no, I feel really bad if I don't get something out. But what if it's not as good, or what if it's, you know, I'm uninspired or whatever? Then do it. You just put stuff out because people are. Maybe that's the problem with recurring payments. It's like, oh no, I have to do something, but I don't really have any good vibes about it. Well, <laughs> that's I, why I it's mean, good to like put out a record or put I out think a season. People are, I think people are genuinely pretty. Uh, People are pretty gracious with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they know that it's, you know, you put a lot of work into making a podcast, even just putting out what you're talking about, just keeping everything updated and yeah, keeping your social media channels going and finding time in the middle of the day where you can, I mean, you know, the the problem with guests is half the time we've found is that, you know, people are just, schedules are just busy and packed and they're not, you know, they're not always able to just record in the well, middle of yeah, the day. Well, yeah, and speaking of that, Vocal Few is going on tour in one month. And we'll be out for six weeks. And we'll, we're doing the same thing we did last year. So I imagine Nate and I, we're going to have to front load some podcasts. We might be able to do some troll talks this summer, um, which might be a good time to kind of figure out what our direction is and where we want to go. But um, but yeah, I just got like a, I, I just got this season coming up where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be on tour. We'll be traveling around with the family in the RV. There's going to be not much time for podcasting. What are we doing here? So, uh, yeah, yeah, if you guys have any thoughts or ideas or, um, you know, you want us to stop immediately, uh, (laughs) you can email us at don't email the trolls at gmail.com or or hit us up on Facebook. Do it right now. Do it. And and if you have some angst and you're just frustrated, friggin' go start your own podcast and quit trolling people. (laughs) And that's it. That's all I got to say. Don't feed the trolls, baby. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.